0: CHAPTER THIRTY-FOUR OF THE SILENT HOUSE BY FERGUS HUME This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Hanna THE SILENT HOUSE BY FERGUS HUME CHAPTER THIRTY-FOUR THE END OF IT ALL Two years after the discovery of Rhoda's guilt, mr and mrs denzil were seated in the garden of berwin manor it was a perfect summer evening at the sunset hour something like that evening when in the same garden almost at the same time lucian had asked diana to be his wife but between then and now twenty-four months had elapsed and many things had taken place of more or less importance to the young couple the mystery of clear's death had been solved lydia had been set free as innocent of crime Her father, found guilty of conspiracy to obtain the assurance money, had been condemned to a long term of imprisonment, and what most concerned Lucian and Diana, Mark Vrain, had really and truly gone the way of all flesh. After the conclusion of the Vrain case, Lucian had become formally engaged to Diana, but it was agreed between them that the marriage should not take place for some time on account of her father's health. After his discharge as cured from the asylum of Dr. Jorce, miss vrain had taken her father down to his own place in the country and there tended him with the most affectionate solicitude in the hope that he would recover his health but the hope was vain for by his over-indulgence in morphia his worrying and wandering and irregular mode of life vrain had completely shattered his health he lapsed into a state of second childhood and being deprived of the drugs which formerly had excited him to a state of frenzy sank into a pitiable condition. For days he would remain without speaking to anyone, and even cease to take a pleasure in his books. Finally his limbs became paralyzed, and so he spent the last few months of his wretched life in a bath chair being wheeled round the garden. Still, his constitution was so strong that he lived for quite twelve months after his return to his home, and died unexpectedly in his sleep. Diana was not sorry when he passed so easily away for death was a merciful release of his tortured soul from his worn-out body. So Mark Brayne died and was buried, and after the funeral Diana went abroad with Miss Priscilla Barbar for a companion. In the meantime, Lucian stayed in grimy, smoky London and worked hard at his profession. He was beginning to be known and in time actually received a brief or two, with which he did his best in court still he was far from being the successful pleader he hoped to be for law of all professions is one which demands time and industry for the attainment of any degree of excellence it is rarely that a young lawyer can go to sleep and wake to find himself famous he must crawl rather than run with diligence and punctuality and observance of every chance in time the wished-for goal is reached although that goal in nine cases out of ten is a very moderate distance off lucian did not sigh for a judgeship or for a seat on the woolsack he was content to be a barrister with a good practice and perhaps a qc ship in prospect however during the year of diana's mourning he did so well that he felt justified in asking her to marry him when she returned diana on her side saw no obstacle to this course so she consented if you are not rich my dear i am she said when lucian alleged his poverty as the only bar to their union and as money gives me no pleasure without you i do not care to stay in berwin manor in lonely spinsterhood i shall marry you whenever you choose and lucian taking advantage of this gracious permission did choose to be married and that speedily so within two years after the final closing of the Vrain case they became man and wife at the time they were seated in the garden at the hour of sunset they had only, lately, returned from their honeymoon and were now talking over past experiences. Miss Priscilla, who had been left in charge of the manor during their absence, had welcomed them back with much joy as she looked upon the match as one of her own making. Now she had gone inside on the understanding that the two are company and three are none, and the young couple were left alone. Hand in hand, after the foolish fashion of lovers, they sat under a leafy oak tree and the sunlight glowed readily on their happy faces. After a short silence, Lucian looked at the face of his wife and laughed. "'What is amusing, you dear?' said Mrs. Denzil with a sympathetic smile. "'My thoughts were rather pleasant than amusing,' replied Lucian, giving the hand that lay in his a squeeze. But I was thinking of Hans Andersen's tale of the elder mother tree, and of the old couple who sat enjoying their golden wedding under the linden, with the red sunlight shining on their silver crowns, we are under an oak and wear no crowns. replied Diana in her turn, but we are quite happy, I think, although it is not our golden wedding. Perhaps that will come some day, Diana. fifty years, my dear, is a long way off yet, says Mrs. Denzil dubiously. I am glad it is, for I shall have fifty years of happiness with you to look forward to. Upon my word, Diana, I think you deserve happiness after all the trouble you have had. With you I am sure to be happy, Lucian, but other people, poor souls, are not so well off. What other people? Jabez Klein for one. My dear, said Lucian seriously, I hope I am not a hard man, but I really cannot find it in my heart to pity Klein. He was, and I dare say is, a scoundrel. I don't deny that he acted badly, sighed Diana but it was for his daughter's sake, you know. "'There is a limit even to paternal affection, Diana, and putting aside the wickedness of the whole conspiracy, I cannot pardon a man who deliberately put a weapon in the way of a man almost insane with drink in order that he might kill himself. The idea was diabolically wicked, my dear, and I think that Javas Klein, alias Rent, quite deserves the long imprisonment he received.' At all events, the serious Company got back their money, Luton. So much as Lydia had not spent, they got back, Diana. But when your father actually died, they had to part with it very soon again, and some of it has gone into Lydia's pocket after all. Diana blushed. It was only right, dear, she said apologetically. When my father made his new will, leaving it all to me, I did not think that Lydia, however badly she treated him, should be left absolutely penniless. And you know, Lucian, you agree that I should share the assurance money with her. I did, replied Denzil. Of two evils, I choose the least, for if Lydia had not got a portion of the money, she would have been quite capable of trying to upset the second will on the ground that Mr. Vrain was insane. Papa was not insane, reproved Diana. He was weak, I admit, but at the time he made that will, he had all his senses— Besides, after all the scandal of the case, I don't think Lydia would have dared to go to law about it. Still, it was best to give her the money, and I hear from Miss Priscilla that Lydia is now in Italy and proposes to marry an Italian prince. She has flown higher than a count, then. Poor Ferrucci killed himself for her sake. For his own rather, exclaimed Mrs. Denzil energetically. He knew that if he lived, he would be punished by imprisonment, so choose to kill himself rather than suffer such dishonor. I believe he truly loved Lydia, certainly, but as he wanted the assurance money, I fancy he sinned quite as much for his own sake as for Lydia's. No doubt, and I dare say Lydia loved him, after her own fashion, yet she seems to have forgotten him pretty soon, and as you say, intends to marry a prince, I don't envy his highness. She has no heart, so I dare say she will be happy as such women ever are, said Diana contemptuously. Yet her happiness comes out of much evil. If she had not married my father, her own would not now be in prison, nor would Count Ferrucci and Rhoda be dead. Ferrucci, perhaps, might still be alive and her husband, assented Lucian, but I have my doubts about Rhoda she was a wicked precautious little imp that girl and sooner or later would have come to a bad end the death of clear was due to an accident i admit but rhoda has still one person who laments over her for although mrs Bensusan knows the truth she always thinks of that red-haired minx as a kind of martyr who was led into wicked ways by klein alias rent i'm sure mrs clear doesn't think so Mrs. Clear has got quite enough to think about in remembering how narrowly she escaped imprisonment for her share in that shameful conspiracy. If she had not turned Queen's evidence, she would have been punished as Klein was. As it is, she just escaped by an accident. Still, if it had not been for her, we would never have discovered the truth. I would never have suspected Klein, who was always so meek and mild, Even that visit he paid to me to lament over his daughter's probable marriage to Ferrucci was a trick to find out how much I knew. Don't you think he hated Ferrucci? No, I am sure he did not. He acted a part to find out what I was doing. If Mrs. Clear had not betrayed him, we should never have discovered the conspiracy. And if Rhoda had not spoken, the mystery of Clear's death would never have been solved, said Diana, although she only confessed at the eleventh hour and when she was dying. "'I think Link was pleased that the mystery was solved in so unexpected a way,' said Lucian, laughing. "'He never forgave my finding out so much without his aid. "'He ascribes the ending of the whole matter to chance, and I dare say he is right.' "'Hm,' said Mrs. Denzil, who had no great love for the detective. "'He certainly left everything to chance. Twice he gave up the case.' "'And twice I gave it up,' said Denzil. "'If it had not been for you, dear,' I should never have gone on with what seemed to be a hopeless task, but when I first met you, you induced me to continue the search for the culprit. And again, when by the evidence of the missing finger, you did not believe your father was dead. Well, you worked, I worked, Link worked, said Diana philosophically, and we all three did our best to discover the truth, only to let chance discover it in the long run diana laughed and nodded but did not contradict her husband well my dear she said i think we have discussed the subject pretty freely but there is one thing i should like to know what about the silent house in pimlico oh miss Greeb told me the other day that peacock is going to pull it down you know just before we were married i took leave of miss Greeb, with whom i lodged for a long time well she gave me a piece of news "'She's going to be married also, and to whom do you think?' "'I don't know,' said Diana, looking interested, as women always do in marriage news. "'To Peacock, who owns nearly all the property in and about Geneva Square. "'It will be a splendid match for her, and Mrs. Peacock will be much richer than you or I, Diana. "'But not happier, my dear. I'm glad she is to be married, "'as she seemed a nice woman and made you very comfortable. "'But why is the silent house to be pulled down?' "'because no one will live in it. "'But it is not haunted now. "'You know it was discovered that Rhoda was the ghost, "'and the ghost, as Miss Greeb suggested, killed Clear.' "'It is haunted now by the ghost of Clear,' said Lucian gravely. "'At all events, he was murdered there, "'and no one cares to live in the house. "'I confess I shouldn't care to live in it myself. "'So Peacock, finding the house unprofitable, "'has determined to pull it down.' so there is an end to the silent house of pimlico said diana rising and taking her husband's arm come inside lucian it grows chilly though winds be cold and nights be drear yet love makes warm our hearts my dear quoted lucian as they went up to the house that is not very good poetry but it is a beautiful truth my love diana laughed and looked up proudly into the bright face of her husband so they went inside and found that miss priscilla had made the tea and all were very happy and very thankful for their happiness. In this condition, which is su- which is sufficiently pleasant, I think we may leave them. End of chapter 34 of The Silent House. Recording by Ashley Hannah. End of The Silent House by Fergus Hume.